in our regular martial arts classes, we do these things called katas or forms or whatever. Wouldn't it be a really good idea if we had some type of practical applications for what we're actually doing? Like make it work for self-defense? That would be great. That would be awesome. I, I might be able to help with that. <laughs> Whoa, hey, man. <laughs> Is this my magic? <laughs> Welcome to the Impact Defense Podcast. Podcast. We're dedicated to giving you the information that you need to help keep you safe. Now, let's join our hosts, Brian and Jada. All right, guys. So as you heard, we are joined by Ian Abernathy today. Um, so just just in case that we are in a different kind of audience and you're not the listener does not have a real traditional kind of martial arts background, I would love to hear a little bit about you. How did you get started in the martial arts? Well, I started when uh, I think it was about 11 years old. Uh, uh, my father used to go to the library, come back with books for us, for those who might remember libraries before the days <laughs> of the internet. And uh, one of the books he bought back was a martial arts book. So I was kind of fascinated by it. Not long after that, I think it was uh, Enter the Dragon aired on British TV, possibly the first time it had been on TV. Uh, so I thought, right... I mean, I've I've got to learn this stuff. So a couple of my school friends were already learning karate. So uh, I decided uh, I'd I'd go along with with them to the the class. Uh, There was a grade in the week after. They quit the week after when they failed the gradings. And on my first class, I got punched in the guts and dropped on my knees. (laughs) So it wasn't a great start. But but, but then, you know, very quickly, I thought, no, I I enjoyed this. You know, it was, uh, or at least I wanted to be good at it. You know, I can't say I enjoyed it initially, but I knew I wanted to be good at it. So, and that was a um, a, a Wadaru Karate Club uh, mm. under uh, Doug James, who's ranked uh, eighth down now. In this part of the world, you know, if you do karate, you do it under him. You know, I mean, he's, he's one of the uh, the main instructors uh, here. So, trained with Doug for a very long period of time. Uh, later on, uh, the self-defense side of things started to get more interesting to me. So Jeff introduced me to Jeff Thompson, like leading self-defense author. Uh, they'd met outside of the, the, the martial arts and um, uh, started training with Jeff. Through Jeff, I got introduced to Peter Considine, who uh, I train with regularly as well. Both Peter and Jeff got a lot of real world, real life experience and are fantastic at teaching it. So all of that kind of gets fused together into um, to what I do now. And the thing I'm probably best known for is the cutter application yeah. side of things, yeah. Because I, I remember sitting the first time I saw a cutter, I can remember it vividly. So I'd be, I'd be about you know 11 years old. I'm a kid in the class waiting for it to start. Quite a nervous kid, so I'm sitting by the side, not doing anything, just waiting for the class to start. And one of the orange belts, who I guess was probably mid to late 20s, was running through Pinan Nidam. So I didn't know what a cutter was, but I saw this thing and like, whoa. You know, what's that? Now, looking back, it's an orange belt pin and down. It probably wasn't the most precise <laughs> form, you know. Yeah. But I remember thinking that, that, that whatever that was, I'm interested in it. So I think over time, the fact that kind of just appealed to me on some level. Mm. And then my, the fact that I was always interested in, uh, I did the sports stuff too and enjoyed that for what it was and, you know, competing in karate tournaments and judo tournaments and stuff. But, but I always felt that the, the self-defense side of things was a more honest measure. Do you know what I mean? You, oh, you yeah. know, you can change your rules overnight and, you, you, you know, you, you were good yesterday and you're not good today. But, but yeah. there's something that is a baseline to measure your progress against 
I thought it was always a good thing. So that got me exploring the captain and sharing my views on that. And that kind of took off. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, when, when coming up, I, I love the sparring. I love the self-defense. I love the grappling portions of it. I did not like the kata. <laughs> and I think for me, it was a big portions of not understanding what you were actually doing in the moment. It was just a performance and I had no interest in performance art, which is what it felt like <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. A lot, a lot of people, because um, you can go down that route. You know, I, I know people who, who like the cat uh, as movement, as artistic expression. You know, Probably does. Uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're, I, I'm not adverse to that either. There's days where I'll do a cat and I'm not really thinking about the applications of it, I just felt that I felt good doing that, you know what yeah. I mean? So, there's a hill uh, just at the back of my house, one of the fells we call them in this part of the world. So, um, it, it, I can run up that top of the fell in about 15 minutes, it's a nice, good, steep run. And from the top, like, on a good day, I can see across the island, you can see over the sea to Scotland, you've got the mountains in the background. Sometimes, when I run up there, while I'm catching my breath before I run down, I'll walk through a few cutters and I'm just enjoying. The movement for movement's sake, but I think when you start breaking down the applications and stuff, you understand it a little bit more. Yeah, you know, and and, and there's 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 a depth to it. I I mean, it's an old analogy, but it's like listening to someone sing a beautiful song in a foreign language. On one point of view, you can go, "Well, that sounds really nice." You know, like you mm. can look at a cat and go, "That looks really nice." But but it's when you understand it and you go, "Oh, I get the meaning of it. I get the way this all fits together." And to me, it's it's fascinating breaking them down and, and understanding the lessons within them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I had, um, I was to a point myself where I was just about ready to abolish Kata because I was so aggravated with it myself as, as a teacher. Mm. Um, and my instructor was like, look, if you want to, we're a very small organization. We come a, a very small Kipkishin organization. Uh, and he told me, so at some point in time, he said, if you get your black belt and after you do your stuff, he said, if that's the way you want to go, then that, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, and actually, to be honest with you, I ran across some of your stuff and I was like, oh, <laughs> man, maybe this stuff actually makes sense. So, <laughs> so, I, so I, it's I, my fault. fault. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> I, 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 I know that that experience is a common one, though. I know, I know I've got training partners and friends who um, abandoned Kata. And I wouldn't necessarily they were wrong for doing that either, because for them it's worked. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. got rid of it. But, but the, the, the reason, because and there are things from my traditional background that I have got rid of. You know that I, as time's gone on, I thought, you know, I'm not seeing what this is supposed to achieve. I'm not seeing the value in it, or there's a better way to do this. Right. Um, but but um, so I, I'm not wedded to tradition for the sake of tradition. But uh, the, the, the cutter. Uh, they give me a structure to teach around. They mm -hmm. make sure I'm covering all the different elements. Um, they make sure I'm teaching trapping, grappling, throwing, as well as all the close range striking stuff. You know, it, it becomes a spine of what we do. So I always think if I got rid of that, I'm going to have to reorganize everything else. You know, I'm going to have to find another thing to kind of organize them around. And I think one of the things, you know, that, that this pandemic has, has showed people is that it's useful to have a form of solo training that's productive as, yes. as well, you know, not just because, you know, we're at a once in a hundred years pandemic, but also, you know, like you wake up at early in the morning, like I often do. And I think oh, I want to train. None of my friends want to train at 6am. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, so, 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 so what do I do? Well, I could hit the bag and that's all very good. I can do some fitness training. Great. 
but you know, I can also do some kata too, and I'm, I'm re- rehearsing all those uh, movements. I'm visualizing what I'm doing to uh, to an, to an opponent. It, it supports all the partner training. And there's a physical fitness side to them too that I think people mm. forget about. You know, when, when you do them right, they're, they're, they're taken out of you. you. You run through a few kata. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just getting the key to understand them. That's the key bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, um, we ran a, we do these seminars quite often. I, I'm running reality-based seminars almost every weekend. Mm. And uh, we did an integrated combatives uh, seminar where we were doing everything from hand-to-hand to knife stuff to blunt force to actually even firearms. Um, and I ran this thing. It was a three-day seminar. And we were doing a lot of clinch work because so much of self-defense happens in that really, really close range. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we were talking about getting inside and isolating an arm and having the other hand up. And then I had a student go through all that the very after it was all over the very next day, Monday, he comes back to class and we're working kata stuff again. And when he came back in, we were actually doing the application for the circle block <laughs> and he was really struggling with it. And I, I pulled him to the side and said, Hey man, look, I said, that's the exact same thing you were just doing all weekend <laughs> from here. And I got him in the clinch and then I backed up and I said, look, see, <laughs> oh man <laughs> and i think that was one of those moves for me that that kind of like proved it to me you know yeah once i was like oh that it lines up so perfectly so yeah it's just seeing it through the right eyes as well i think because you, you, your point about um you know self-defense is within arm's length right you know what i mean the, 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 you know the further away than that they're not normally that great a problem um conversation range in the west is arm's length so that's typically where they'll begin as well and I think part of the problem is people look at Katna and they reinterpret it from what I would call consensual sparring distance. So when people spar, yeah. you know, if they kick, for example, they go, well, I don't want to be so close. If you just throw a kick, I'm going to create a bit of a gap. And now I've got that reactionary gap and we're going to move around and things. And then people look at the Katna and they go, well, why haven't you got your hands up in a guard? And, and, and why have you got these stances? Why aren't you being nice and light on your feet? And it's because well, it's a different type of fighting. Yes. You know what I mean? So if you understand, you know, you, the, you're very close, there's a good chance they're going to have a hand on you. You need some kind of stability. And there's no point having a hand in a passive guard if it can be active, clearing mm. limbs and telling you where he is and, you know, all that kind of stuff you see. So it's weird. I, I, I've trained with people uh, who don't do kata, who don't do karate, but their methods are so close to mine. We can kind of train together. And then I've trained with karateka who do do kata, but, but because they never cover that distance they don't delve into the kata they do the kata and then they do consensual sparring at a distance yeah and, and, and i've just have little in common with them despite officially we supposedly doing the same art you know yeah i feel like i really lucked out in the fact that um my instructor while he was never taught and this was before the, t- the age of the internet <laughs> in, in a real way <laughs> um he was never taught like the applications of kata any real applications of kata so he would every once in a while show something. It's like, yeah, this is what they show. It's kind of bull crap. Uh, mm. So we just kind of move on. But his self-defense was like real, really good self-defense. Mm. When I moved over and after getting my black belt with him, I mean, he's still, as far as I'm concerned, my primary trainer at this point. But when we moved uh, and started training with other guys as well, I could not get behind what they were doing, especially a lot of karate guys. I, I mm. stopped training with a lot of those guys just because it was horribly ineffective <laughs> what they were teaching. Um, because like you said, their applications of Kata was at that sparring distance and it was just, yeah. Yeah. Well, it gets reinterpreted, you know, historically, 
the karate that spread was the karate that was going to be popular in the Japan of the 1930s. So judo's really popular, kendo's really popular. They're vastly trying to increase the military. Mm. Martial arts are regarded as something old-fashioned and out of date and not something that would be fitting for Japanese youth. But Kano, the founder of judo, goes, yeah, yeah, but you can use this to make strong bodies and strong minds and useful members of society. So, and, and for the military as well, you know, we want fit young men and women for our recruits, you know. To, so then the, um, they, the, the karate guys just copy that model. So, so they don't teach the applications because nobody cares. It's, it's, yeah. That's not the objective anymore, you know. And then, of course, they've still got these things, they've still got these cutters, and then they go, well, what are these for? And they reinterpret them through karate versus karate sparring, which is a type of combat they're doing. But if you read the old masters when they talk about sparring, you know, they'd start with their arms touching because it would all be close range. Funakoshi talks about grappling to unconsciousness or submission. You talk about, you know, pinning people to the ground and he'd try and fight his way back to his feet. Multiple people would try and grab him and he'd use techniques to keep them away. You know, Motobu talks about how Kata and Kumite were always taught side by side. For Nakoshi, you know, uh, sparring does not exist apart from the Kata, but for the practice of the Kata. You know, when, uh, again, another one from Motobu, you know, uh, Kumite is an actual fight where we use the techniques of the Kata to grapple with an opponent. <laughs> you know, you, the, their sparring was very close range, you know. Yeah. And when you interpret the Kata from that, that perspective, it, it makes sense. But when you try and that long range consensual fighting stuff, um, not so much, you know. So I think most people get their head around that. And because I always think when people say, you know, this works, that doesn't work, you've all, well, works for what? Yeah. <laughs> what works for yes. what? What's the objective? Because like a, 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 um, a jumping, turning back kick isn't going to work in self defense. It's not a good idea. Yeah. But if you're in a taekwondo tournament, have at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? you know, that'll work just fine. You know, it depends on what your objective is. We do. Um... We do quite a we do quite a bit of stuff actually on TikTok, uh, where Kylie is our primary face, uh, <laughs> and we do a lot of like child abduction stuff and and just kids self defense stuff over there because it's a younger demographic. Mm. Um, the thing that aggravates me the most is just the comment that will come through that says that don't work, no explanation, <laughs> no nothing. It's just that don't work. It's like, would you like to demonstrate to us how that doesn't work? <laughs> like, really, come here. We'd love for you to teach us, oh, Grandmaster. <laughs> I've used that line on the internet a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you for teaching me, oh, Sensei. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, he's been sarcastic. You know, so yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for discussion and debate. So if someone yeah, absolutely you know, asks a question or has a concern, that's entirely legit. But those kind of that wouldn't work. Is that's a meaningless comment? You know, <laughs> engage in a discussion with me. You know what I mean? Exactly. Show me how to do it differently. You know, so yeah, keyboard warriors, right? It's the downside of the internet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, we we wouldn't have platforms at all if it wasn't for people like that either. So there's that. So yeah, they all help the algorithm. <laughs> all interactions the algorithm doesn't care by all means keep commenting <laughs> like that then you just start seeing how long you can keep the discussion going so the algorithm's <laughs> like oh wow lots of engagement <laughs> so that's spoken like the younger generation because that hadn't occurred to me till this very moment yeah no, I, no, 13 and 19 and they have helped me out a lot in that respect so <laughs> he's just like i really want to comment back i'm like okay i mean do it but don't like don't don't give them any anger or anything like that just keep them talking <laughs> keep, let, let them run themselves in a circle 
and meanwhile, just enjoy the benefits from the algorithm. <laughs> I, I also so sometimes like conversations like that they help if anyone else reads it as well. Though. Yeah. So you know, you know, sometimes you can tell you know this person might be trolling, but I, I'll engage because somewhere within that there's a valid point to raise. So I, <laughs> I want to discuss that in case someone else reads it. You know what I mean? But it's no one went to, to, to break it off. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, okay, you're getting more out of this than I am now. <laughs> yeah, I, I know TikTok's a thing. I, I... <laughs> no. No, I, no. I, I, I had no idea, you know, not on there, don't know what it we does. We shunned but... it for we... a long time. We were like people dancing in the middle of stores. Uh, we don't want any part of that. <laughs> but we kept on, some people kept on getting onto us. They're like, you really need to do some self-defense on TikTok. And we're just going, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, we finally no. <laughs> gave in. And we did a couple things. When, when Kylie started doing the child abduction stuff, we went from like zero to like 500,000 followers. So. Wow, wow. It blew up really, really quick for us. And it's funny when you get that kind of following, how you get your loyal followers. And whenever (laughs) someone posts a stupid comment, sometimes you don't even have to say anything because (laughs) your keyboard warriors attack them. And you're just like, well, this is awesome. We have an army. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great thing about the, I mean, I think there can't have been a better time to learn martial arts than now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's the truth. Yeah. Because, I mean, in, in, our days, <laughs> speaking, <laughs> just speaking to Brian here because the, the pre-internet people, you'll know that you, you could get magazines once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 occasionally seminars, books if you could find them. You know, and, and now you know a million and one instructional videos are just a tap of your fingers away. You know? So yeah, but, but the, the people coming to the dojo are a lot more educated than they used to be. We get people coming in specifically knowing. I want to learn karate and I want to learn this kind of karate and I've researched you and I know what it is you do and this is what we want to do, you see. It's 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 so much better than, than it used to be. The downside is there's all that noise. You know, yeah. the good stuff can get lost in the, the, the massive, you know, a thousand and one tenth downs posting ridiculous stuff. <laughs> and then you've got the people who just believe anything they read or yeah. see online and so you could be teaching a technique that you have pressure tested so many so many times and then they're like well this one person said it didn't work so <laughs> i've got to completely throw that out have you actually tried it have, have, have you worked it up seen if it works for you because any you'll any technique you find you'll find someone who says it doesn't work yeah absolutely i think the thing with that as well is it's one that the lines i use at the seminars as well saying that there isn't the technique that will work uh, 100% of the time mm-hmm. against 100% of people that's 100% appropriate for all contexts. Because right. if that, if we find that technique, we can all just learn it and go home. Martial arts is done. It all just comes down to who does that magic technique first. Yeah. But as far as I'm aware, every single technique in existence can be counted. You know, you, you can say like, like a solid left hook is a great technique. But there'll be always someone saying, but you can put your arm in the way. You could. <laughs> you could. You know, there's no technique that's perfect. Yeah. I always tell my students, it's only ever 100% zero when you've either escaped or he's unconscious. And all the other time, you just want to make sure that your odds of winning are higher than 50%. That, that's what <laughs> I'm trying to do. I, I call like it fighting downhill. You need to make sure you're fighting downhill. You're doing smart things that make it easier for you and harder for them. But they could do something wild and lucky and catch you with it, and that's just the way it is. Fights are always – there's an element of luck. There's there always is. an element of luck. There yeah. absolutely is. The thing that I guess is the most important and one of the hardest things to get across to people is that we're not training you 
the techniques that you are going to use if something happens. We're trying giving you options so that when you see an opportunity, you know what will work for it. Mm. Like when you're in the middle of a fight, you may not be able to use a palm heel that we teach. It it may not work, but if you have the opportunity and that's open, then we want you to know how to do it so you have that option. Yeah, I was really encouraged with the seminar that we did with some kids on Saturday because we were going through and they were asking some questions that we had extra time. Like they were such a group that we had extra time to cover some extra stuff and they were some asking some questions and they're like, well, what if this happens? And so I'm standing there and I was giving them options and I had someone's arms trapped and they were like, that would be a really good position for a hammer fist. I was like, I "I love you guys because they're, they're seeing openings and they're like, this is something that you taught us that we could do here. And I didn't have to say anything. I was going, I was, I was so encouraged because they got it. They got that. They're looking for what fits where, Yeah. what they can use. That's that's, that's, that's really good. I I, I wrote a, 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 it's a short article on my website a while ago for this. It was called, um, uh, it depends on other scary things, right? Because I thought, uh, uh, and you know, uh, 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 if you think of martial arts movies, I think this is part of the problem. So um, I've got to date myself here and refer to Karate Kid. But, you know, if you think of pretty much any <laughs> yeah, any martial arts movie, right, that there's normally a, uh, a magic technique that the good guy learns that no can defend, and mm-hmm. then he wins. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes there's, there's expectations that, 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 that we should be able to find the technique that will always work. You know, and, and when, when you say to people, you know, what if, what if, you go, well, it depends, or it might not work, or you need a backup to that. You know what I mean? There's, there's never a 100% answer. I think for a lot of martial artists, they don't want to hear that. You know, they don't want to hear that not every technique will work every time. You know, I mean, on your best day, I mean, unscientifically, I would say that on your best day, 60% of what you throw won't have the effect you hope for. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, just the way it is, you know, and, and, you know, it's great. Obviously, the kids are thinking of, you know, okay, yeah, I can fit a hammer fist in here. I love the fact it's a hammer fist as well, because I love hammer fists. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was telling them, I was like, a hammer fist is a really great technique, especially for kids, just because it can be done from so many different angles, and it doesn't take a lot of muscle memory because no. we're used to moving our arms this way. There's a, there's a theory about that as well. I remember reading this book that um, uh, just hardwired into us as human beings. You know, if, if you know when we're frightened, um, people make their hands into fists, which obviously can be used for clubs. But the other thing it does, if you've got hold of anything, you grip it tighter. Mm-hmm. You know, as human beings, we've got no natural weapons. But if you've got a club, a rock, a stick, you're going to hold on to it. And if you watch, you know, untrained people fight, they, they're actually tends to be like, a, like we would call it windmilling here, you know, when people windmill. So that, that natural kind of clubbing action is one that comes innate to us. So I, I think the hammer fist is one of the closest action to that. So it's easy to train it into people, you know. I remember one of my DVDs, um, uh, there was a guy in the US did a, a review on it and he wrote me a, a private, he really liked it, wrote me a little private letter to say what he'd seen in it. And he said, oh, I really like this. I liked how you did this. And, and then he goes, and one thing I did notice is you really like Hammerfist. <laughs> and I like, what? And I watched the video back and about every 80% of the times when I'm demonstrating the escape, there's some, I've done the cat a bit, there's some extra Hammerfist gets thrown in there. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's a great shot. You know what I mean? There's something quite primal about it. I like it. <laughs> there is. You're correct. There definitely is. Um, 
we, we kind of veered off subject a little bit, which we do that all the time on the um, podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> as far as what was you taught from when you talk, when being, mm-hmm, when being taught Kata, was you taught the, the bunkai and you know, good applications from that from the very beginning? Did you have that kind of experience? Yeah, yeah. Um, n- not to the degree that I do it now. You know okay. what I mean? But, but uh, because I, I've really kind of specialized in that area. Yes. But I wasn't taught nonsense. You know what I mean? So, you know, you see the things like, oh, this will block a kick and a punch at the same time. Right. Was ne- never, that was never taught. Uh, and we were taught solid applications uh, on certain motions. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but, so it was left as an open question a lot of the time. You know, so, you know, you think about this. And the more I thought about it, the more I kind of, got into it but i started to realize that there wasn't a great well nothing between uh, the close range self-defense stuff and then the, what was been recorded in the the cutters you know i started to see the patterns a little bit it, it, it's one of uh, my brain's many misfunctions is that you know you show me three things i'm looking for the pattern between those three things you know what i mean mm-hmm. I, I just so i i started to look at the cutter and i started to spot you know these themes developing here and then you start doing a little bit of the historical research and there's a lot written, not so much about the applications, but there's a lot written about what stances mean, what angles mean, what hands are doing. So you, you start to take this knowledge that I've gained on what real fights are like. I've learned the cutter and I had the historical stuff. And from that point onwards, it all starts to kind of piece together, you see. So I was in my like early 20s when I really started looking at it. You know, I, I want to get this down. And then you know, it was a kind of slow start. And then it kind of just took off. Like you reach that critical mass where Tom was like, I've learned the language now. I can kind of understand them a lot better. And it all started to kind of come into I'm still doing it now. Still learning new things about Kata now. But it, it, um, the overall approach has remained pretty solid for over 20 years now. Okay. That was, awesome. that was something I was kind of really curious about because I I was just kind of wondering how you got to there to that point where you specialized in, because like, you know, it's me when coming up going like, well, this is kind of this, this is kind of this, eh, you know, and I just was like, psh, throw it out the door uh, where, where you took that and then said, let's go deeper because there has to be something here. Yeah. yeah, and well, Because on, on seminars and books and articles and things, but people see the, 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 the finished product. They don't see, you know, I don't turn up a seminar going, he's an half ass idea I haven't thought through fully. Yeah, I tend to keep those to myself, right? But but there's plenty of that, you know what I mean? So it, it wasn't like there was this road to Damascus moment where I suddenly go, oh, I get it now, you know what I mean? It, it, it's been a, a slow process, but the stuff you share publicly is the stuff you think, no, I'm confident about this. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, this has been tried, tested, it's logical, it makes sense, lots of people have learned it and can make it work, so this is what I want to share with you, you see. Uh, and, and the aim with that is always to help people get up to speed quicker than I did. Mm. You know, th- 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 that's the aim. And, and, you know, you know that from th- the way that I like to teach. I don't like to go, you know, here's an application for move one, now move two, now move three. It's always, and this is why this movement would be applied this way. And th- this is why it works from a combative point of view. And this is the uh, the language or the code, if you like, of kata. This is how it, it's explaining how it works this is what the stance means this is what the arms mean so hopefully people can kind of pick it up and run with it them, themselves and people generally can i think yeah and that's one yeah. thing i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed when we had you for the uh the seminar uh because that was something that i, I the way the, your approach to teaching all of that was just 
like really, really good and helped really helped it stick a lot better than I expected. Go oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I always say this as well, though, that the people who've seen like the YouTube videos or the DVDs, the red articles, uh, that, that'll take them so far. But when mm -hmm. I've got the time to go into more detail, so you're not thinking, you know, this book has to have a certain word count because you can't sell a book that's six inches thick. Right. You know, yeah, you know, no, nor can you sell a DVD that's 10 hours long, you know, at some point. Or, you know, you've, you've got to, you, 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 you're limited by the medium. But teaching in person, I always say that. The people who've trained with me in person then go back to that material to see it with different eyes because I, I just, I've got more time to connect those threads for people you know and that personal interaction helps you know yeah. you can see how people are doing it yeah they actually have Instead yeah i'm there to answer the questions exactly yeah rather than trying to assume because i have seen that as well where i think i've explained something particular well in writing or on video and then people go yeah i've got it and i'll visit the club and think no nah, you haven't it's like, you know there's there's a, there's a key component missing which is my fault as much as theirs yeah we, we, we've seen that on the end on some of the things that we put out there as well um, and that's funny because to us it makes perfect sense, you know. <laughs> you know, but so we yeah, because you're always questioned because they have on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that's the thing because you're always doing it. It's very difficult to put your own knowledge out of your own mind. You know, you're you're always looking yeah. at it. Someone yeah. who, who thoroughly understands it, you see. And, and sometimes it's remarkable uh, how things can be uh, misconstrued. That's why you know, for the, like my knife defense stuff. I made the decision. I'm only ever teaching that in person because yeah. I don't want to put something out in the big wide world that people get wrong, will misinterpret it, and then someone could get badly hurt as a result. So right. there's certain things that I got now. You just you know, you learn it from me directly, or you don't learn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I never thought I would have to explain to someone that if they want this technique to work, they have to move faster than a snail. You know, I, I didn't think that that should have been, had to have been clarified. I thought, oh, well, they're going to assume that this should be done at natural <laughs> speed. Dark yeah, has no, on this side, so. Yeah, no, it is, it is, it is difficult. Uh, one of the other problems we get is, is at least I do, is uh, different things mean, we have no common terminology. I know. So, so if someone was to say to me, uh, cat that doesn't work, I'd go, well, I might agree with you or disagree with you, but tell me what you mean by cat. Because if you mean doing an imaginary move against someone who's attacking you from 10 feet away, I agree with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but if you mean what I mean by cat, you know, it's the same with sparring. You know what I mean? It's another one. It's like, what type of sparring do you mean? You know, some people are sparring is not relevant to self-defense. What kind of sparring? How are you sparring? What are you allowing when you spar? There's just no, I mean, karate is another example. You know, I mean, we, we, we have a common term, but approaches are radically different. A friend of mine came up with this brilliant analogy where he said karate now is like the term athletics. You could be a, a, a shot putter and a marathon runner are both doing athletics, but they're as far apart from each other as it could be. So you can have two people, oh, I'm doing karate. Yeah, okay, I need more than that. Yeah. You know, exactly how are you doing it? How are you training it? You know, because it might be effective. It might not be. I need to see what you're doing. <laughs> and then it becomes a problem for, uh, it, it becomes a divide between a lot of different forms of martial arts too, because you get, uh, I've talked to plenty of people who do really great jujitsu and I'm a fan of the stuff that they've been doing mm. because I'm over here going, yes, I understand that that works. <laughs> and then 
they look at me and they're like, well, what form do you do? And I'll say Kyokushin Karate. And they're like, (laughs) (laughs) because what they've seen of it is the complete sports side, you know, no punching to the head, things like that. I'm over here going, yeah, you don't understand how my instructor teaches it. It's completely different from instructor to instructor. And you can't really judge it until you've actually seen it in practice. No. And how it's applied. (laughs) No, that's, that's, yeah, it's really common. I, I have the same same thing. You, 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 but I think it's the same of any... I get that question a lot on the uh, emails. You know, I, I want to take karate, which style should I do? And I say, it doesn't matter. You know, don't, don't, don't judge the style. Go to the club and see how they're training that style. Because I've seen, you know, incredibly good and incredibly bad of any style you can mention. Not just within karate, but the same thing. I've seen great tie boxes and awful ones, great jiu-jitsu guys <laughs> and awful ones. You yeah. know, it, it, you, you really got to, it's, it's all hands-on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the style labels get less and less important, I think, these days. Yeah, and, and they should. They really should. Um, I wanted to ask you a question because of something you said earlier. Uh, it's just kind of a fun question. But you were, you were mentioning that there's no better time, and I completely agree, there's no better yeah. time to learn martial arts than right now. If you were not right now, <laughs> and and could be a student at any point in time of martial arts when would that be yeah no i i'd love to tra- uh, the, the one the guy i'd really love to train with would be uh itosu so late mm-hmm. 1800s early 1900s and, and sim- the, the reason for that is because he's an old school karate practitioner who got the ball rolling yeah to what karate eventually became so I, I think for, for, to, to be able to get a view of that transition and that change would be absolutely fascinating. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, yeah, that would be the, the, the guy I, w- I would love to be able to train with, given the opportunity. And, and assuming in this, you know, this scenario we're concocting, I'd love to be able to tell him how it all worked out and see what he thought. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. this, this art that's been practiced by a couple of hundred people in Okinawa, just so you know, there's going to be billions of people practicing this. Do you know what I mean? All, all over the world, you know, and it's going to be one of the biggest martial arts has ever been. And But but things like, and we're going to have competitions and we're going to wear geese and we're going to have belts and things that he wouldn't even, we're going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, then, and then for about a hundred, well, whatever it's been, for 50, 60 years, Bunkai won't be practiced. What, 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 why? What, what happened there? You know, I'd love to be able to have that conversation with him, you see, just to see what he intended and what he didn't. And yeah. then for you, you would get the opportunity of seeing what it was like then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and no, I'd be really interested in it. Well, the thing is, of course, things move on. I, th- I think it's, especially traditional martial arts, it's sometimes really bad for um, if it's older, it's better. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you think of some of the, like, the modern sports science we've got, the modern equipment we've got, the way of training we've got, I think in some ways we'd go back in time and be really impressed. And in other ways, we'd think, well, why are you doing this? Who thought that would be a good idea? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, why are you wandering around lifting jars? We've got weights and PRXs <laughs> and kettlebells, and you know, there's, there's, you know, we've got all kinds of really cool stuff we can show you. You know. Yeah, I've yeah. often thought that if we take any of the old karate masters and bring them to this point in time, they they would not have stuck with the same training methods. Oh no, you know, and I think so many people get stuck in that where they think was well, it's, it's got to be done like that. I, I just. It baffles me. They were doing the best things they had at the time available to them. Yeah, it's always, I know if all I had was rope and straw, I'd be hitting the makiwara. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I've got high-density foam, and I've got 
bob dummies and I've got punch bags, so I'll use them as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, cause, cause I've got that kit. You know, it's one of these things. Uh, um, focus mitts. We do a lot of focus mitt drills, and um, not so much now. But I remember in the early days when I started sharing these, some people within the really uber traditional karate community were that's boxing equipment. And I thought the only reason it's not karate equipment historically, the only reason we don't have traditional focus mitt drills is because they didn't have focus mitts. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know, if I went back in time and said to me, Tosin, look what we've got here. Whoa, these things are amazing. <laughs> you can move and hit with them, you know. <laughs> you know? So I always think what we want to have happen is in 100 years time, 200 years time, they said, oh, yeah, these, you know, back in the early 2000s, you know, these traditional focus mitt drills were developed, you know what I mean? Now, of course, we use these hologram whatevers. <laughs> <laughs> but for the time, it was all they had. <laughs> we had. Yeah, so I, I think that, that, you know. I think that's the thing is, I am definitely a traditional martial artist, but the true tradition has been one of constant change. It's never stayed the same. You know, if you, if you look from gen generation to generation, it was only when they stopped testing by uh, um, result. You know, when when being good at kata became an end in itself. Right. You know what I mean? You know, that, that kind of stuff. That's only at that point that people go, no, nothing must change because they need something to measure it against. But to me, if you're measuring against does this work or not, that's the same measure the old masters use. So yeah. if you, you know, if they learned a technique that was, you know, oh, that's a good technique, they wouldn't go, well, that's not karate. They'd just go, well, it is now. You know what I mean? We're, yeah. we're having it, we're bringing it in, you know. And, and that's, that's a few things. That's something I even looked at with a guy that uh, that helps around here. Some uh, we were talking one day, and I said, you know, I'm not even sure if what we do, some people would call karate anymore, mm. because you know we we have that Kyokushin background. We have a lot of really good kicks, but I mean, we've done a lot of boxing. I worked in boxing instructors. We do a lot of boxing. Mm. I did jujitsu. Uh, we do a lot of jujitsu stuff with our stuff. And uh, so I, I looked at him. I said, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who would not even call what we do karate at this point. And and at that point in time, I was like, I, I don't even know. And not to mention gun and knife defense. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's one. I mean, you know, there's no historical firearm defense because I didn't have them. You know what I mean? So, you know, and, 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 but it, yeah, things change. See, I did that. That's why the, the Wado label, that was a style I started in, but I dropped that quite a while ago because I realized that that, that label no longer reflects what it is I'm doing because I've had instructors from other styles and, you know, the judo influence and the boxing and the kickboxing influence and, you just yeah. kind of bring it in and, and, and make it your own. So I, 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 it's definitely karate still. Yeah. But, you know, so the line I always use is I say, I'm a martial artist first, I'm a karateka second, and I have no idea what style I am. <laughs> you know, well, I, that, that's ask, line. I like that. Well, when people ask, I say, I'm a martial arts instructor. Yeah. I don't like the preconceived notions that every ha one has about the five seconds experience they had with um, <laughs> the basement instructor. You know, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 it's, a, it's a, the same, you know. And and I've always done that thing as well. If anyone shows me something that I like, you know, it'll become part of what we do. Mm. You know, I, I don't care where I got it from. You know, what I mean, if it fits with the way we're doing things, it fits with our objective, whether it's a training drill or a technique or a way of explaining something i'm having it As a german friend of mine said that he goes yeah he goes i take what works and i call it karate yeah, <laughs> yeah. i was trying to remember i know i heard that one from you uh and it was like right after i had that conversation with uh this guy that that was listening to one of your podcasts and i heard you say that on the podcast i couldn't remember who you said said it but okay yeah it's Chris, christian vidavart he's yeah okay. excellent yeah instructor but he has the same view 
you know, yeah. he, he, he breaks down the cutters. He does all the applications to the cutters. But, you know, you show him a nifty technique in, in, you know, or a good way of train and it'll be part of what he does next week. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's just, he's not going to, that's not our style. Yeah. It's yeah. not the Ed, Ed Parker line I always like where he said, you know, um, when people talk about keeping things pure and he said, pure karate is when pure fist meets pure face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I can buy him with that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've heard you talk about it and I know they've heard a little bit from me in that, but you're the four stages or the four levels or however you want to approach that of Kata. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear a little breakdown for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, 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 first uh, thing like is, I know they've heard a little bit from me, but you know, yeah, I really regret uh, using the word stages when I wrote about this because it was okay. the wrong word. So, but I'm stuck with it now because everyone talks about the four stages. And I've got the <laughs> videos on it. But I think stages is probably the wrong word because it infers that when you move up to stage two, you're not doing stage one anymore. Mm. So, so I think a better way to think of it, if I had my time again, I would call it the four aspects of kata practice. Mm. You know what I mean? So, and when you look at the way that the old masters uh, viewed kata, all four of these elements are there. So, uh, from the, the what we would call the classical generation, now Miyagi's Multaboos. Funakoshis, those people. Uh, they may not have expressed it the same way I did, but again, that pattern brain I've got kind of looks at what they're all saying and go, I can summarize that into four things. So we've got um, the solo form is part of what we do. So that, that, that we practice the solo form because it's the repository of knowledge. It's what ensures a continuity of information from one generation to the next, that when done right. And it also gives us a supplementary form of solo training. So, it, so it, the solo form is important. Next step is what we would now refer to as the, um, the bunkai, the applications. So you start drilling that with, with a partner in various ways. So you, you drill the applications. The, the, so that would be the second stage. The third stage is that you identify the underlying principles being demonstrated by the applications and learn to adapt and vary them. So that, that's one where some people kind of struggle a little bit. But as, as an example, in the cut, we often move at angles. And, if you, and nowadays people think it's because the enemy's attacking you from an angle, but the old masters were quite clear in their writing. No, no, no. It's the angle you are attacking the enemy from. So uh, I have two rules around that. Keep the enemy in front of you, but do not be in front of the enemy. Move towards what you know and away from what you don't know. So if I touch his arm, I want to be close to that arm and the arm I've got no idea where it is. You know, and, and, and I don't just want to do that in the way the cutter shows me. I want to make that habit. So I do it all the time in all ways. You know what I mean? Because techniques are limited, principles are infinite. So we need to kind of understand the principles that are at play. And then the fourth stage is that we gain live experience of doing it. So we have a variety of drills that allow us to practice all of this against a living, breathing, resisting opponent. And then, of course, when you've done that, when you come back to doing the solo form, it means more to you. Because mm -hmm. every time you do the movement, it's, it's uh, triggering these memories of these thousand and one times you've done that technique against the person. You know, it reinforces it all. So in brief, it's the, the, do the kata, do the bunkai, identify the underlying principles so you can adapt and vary and gain live experience of doing it. If you're doing those four, then kata works. And the, the, generally speaking, lots of people do the kata, less do the bunkai, even fewer identify the principles and very few drill it live. But if you do all four, that, which was the traditional way, that's when it really starts to work and make sense for me. Um, I've heard you say before that really as you're rotating through things that you are working on, you do not separate kata from self-defense when talking, when, when teaching. No, 
Is that no? I'm just I'm just curious here on this one. This is just uh, from an as an instructor thing here. Do you find that like like enough of the katas fit everything that you're needed for self defense? Yeah, it depends who I'm teaching. So that'll be the first thing. So if I'm teaching a self defense course to people for a few weeks. I'm not going to talk about kata. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but if we're talking about martial artists who are in it for the long haul and want to learn a high you know, a degree, um, the, the, my favorite quote for that is Itosin. So he wrote this in 1908 where he said, uh, so kata, uh, karate he's talking about. But, the, but remember, the karate of his time didn't deal without fighting another karateka at a distance, right? So when he talks about karate, he's talking about the karate of the kata. And he said, karate is not intended to be used against a single adversary. It's a method of avoiding injury by using the hands and feet should one by chance, uh, by chance be confronted by a villain or ruffian. <coughs> so in better English, it's not for a consensual duel. It's for keeping yourself safe from criminals. And my, my experience is uh, when you look at the methods of the kata, there's not the thickness of a hair between what's in those and what I've seen uh, and experienced being done in the re reality-based self-defense world, it's the same stuff. Mm. It's the exact same stuff. It, the, the only thing that has is it's a little bit older, and we've got this repository of kata. So when I'm teaching my students, there's some things like, you know, like we talked about, you know, weapons have changed. I need to make them aware of the law of the land and stuff, which right. obviously aren't recorded by the kata. De-escalation skills, verbal skills aren't in the kata. But when it comes to the physical side of it, I find that for my martial arts students, the kata gives them all, all they need. That'll give them all the close range skills. With what, you know, I might add one or two little extra bits in that I found cool from other places, you know. So <laughs> yeah. there's a little bit of the judo for the ground stuff in particular. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, karate, the karate is light on the, um, there's not a great, if you look at like uh, Itaman talks about ground fighting and so does he tells it. But in Itaman's book, he said that the ground fighting of karate is not as well developed as that of judo. So to me, he's okay. If I can learn something from judo, then hold escapes and get back to your feet from judo or something I'm going to add in from there. But, yeah. but, but yeah, 98% is all just kind of based stuff. Okay. I was just, I was just kind of curious because I'd heard you say that before and I, I wanted to hear a little more of an explanation on that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess my, it's just because I am not to that point yet where my brain thinks everything through the lens of Kata as yeah. far as that goes. Well, it, it's, it's our syllabus too, because we've got the other things that we do. So they've got the consensual fighting skills and everything else that we'll learn and the pad drills and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but the cutter is the, the, the central part of it. And, right. and, and uh, uh, my own experience of the cutter is as you progress through them, there's a lesson plan through each. So Pinan Shodan leads into Pinan Nidan, which leads into Pinan Sandan. There's a lesson plan there. So I found that having that as our spine and following that lesson plan works pretty well, you know, so... Um, and do you still do the exact same versions of the katas that you did coming up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. Drop no, pieces or made alterations to anything? No, no. I, I, they, um, a couple of times I was taught, uh, like, a couple of different versions of the same form. Right. Um, so eventually, I, you know, I, I decide on the one I'm going to teach. Okay. Totally different variations of different instructors. So you decide on the one you're going to get. But no, I've kept them exactly the same. There are some little changes that left to my own devices I could make. So, right. for example, uh, I was learned. I always learned the kata that all the kicks would be low, you know, like knee height, with the exception of front kicks. Front kicks were always done middle level, but all the side kicks were done knee height. You see, and but I always thought half the time, most of the time, when doing these applications, although in the modern version of the kata, is kicking middle level, you're kicking shins and knees. 
So th there would be an argument for, well, why don't I do the kata with that kick to the shins and knees? And the main reason for that is because my students interact with other karatekas, so they, they need that common framework. I live in an area where uh, there's no universities. So normally we get students at kind of 18, 19, and then they're off to university. Well, I don't want them to turn up at the university club and go, what on earth are your patterns? <laughs> you know I mean, what on earth? Yeah. You know, so they just, you know, they'll just walk in and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, we've seen that before. Know how everyone does that. So, yeah, I just keep exactly the same. Yeah. Now, I was just curious. I'm looking at, like, we do all the real traditional versions of the Penans that uh, from, from Kyokushin, and uh, there's just a few, like, extra moves in some of those that's not in other styles, especially like uh, for us, but on knee. Um, and I'm looking at going like, I just, I give the best reason I can, but I don't get it myself to be completely honest with you at times. Uh, and I just like, I look at other versions longingly of that. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just do something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think as all styles have those, that as time's gone on, it's not just, uh, combative functions are coming, other things come in. So you'll get styles that will consistently kick high because it's hard to do and athletically demanding. Right. Fine, fine. So as long as you know that when you do the application, you're going to kick low, you know. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the oddities of the style I started in is um, movements that were originally middle level, he raised them in height because his view was it's easy to get the power in when it's in line with your body, you know, because it's moving from your core. When you raise it a little bit higher towards his head, your body alignment has to be slightly better. So he did it as a technical thing. But we have to be aware that in some of these applications, the hands should be lower than they are when we do them in the cat so, but right. Yeah, but we know that. I always say it's just like people's handwriting. Yeah. You, know, you might look at my handwriting first and go, what the hell is that? And you realise, oh, that's how he does his Gs. Okay, I understand what he's saying now. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. the same thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we are wrapping up, if you could please give everybody your information, how they can follow you and, and find your stuff. Yeah. So the first first thing is the spelling of my name because it's it's, it's confusing. Right. So the Ian is spelled I-A-I-N. So it's a Scottish spelling. Americans often assume it's Lane, <laughs> lowercase L, you know. But I, I had a Scottish grandmother who was devastated. Her first grandchild was born on the wrong side of the English-Scottish border. And, and by this much, you know, say Scotland's just over there. So, you know, English by birth, but Scottish by heritage. So he's definitely having the name Ian. So, and then Abernethy, it's A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y. So again, the US spelling is more commonly nappy rather than nephy, you know, but yeah. So but you can find uh, I'm on um, Instagram at Ian Abernethy, Twitter at Ian Abernethy, Facebook is Ian Abernethy and ianabernethy.com or .co.uk will take to the website. So once you've got the name, I'm really easy to find. Just get the spelling right. <laughs> yeah. I've also heard your, um, when you go into full accent mode, you might be able oh, yeah. to understand. I would love to kind of maybe end with that in some way yeah <laughs> say something really quick <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I, here's one for you because i did this years ago because pe people can never quite place the accent right you know, so because there's no famous cumbrians so no one's ever heard this accent um yet. the closest i've gotten was i watched doctor who and david Tennant trying to do an english accent is like the closest <laughs> thing i got to you. <laughs> Yeah, well, but, uh, yeah, that was because uh, I, I can I can see how that would work. But what I did for um, this has gone but me ten years in my podcast, I, I said uh, if anyone can understand this sentence, I remember that. You remember that, yeah. If you can remember the set, if you can if you can interpret the sentence, I'll give you a free set of DVDs. 
right? So, and I just just thought of a sentence that used various Cumbrian words. So that would be a good example. So it was, um, um, he smacked me mad and he kept it with a kepi. So I clicked the get and scoped the mower. <laughs> right now, to me, that's perfect English. <laughs> but that's all. And I remember when you talked and you told what it was, and I still can't remember it. So, <laughs> no, so yeah, so uh, uh, clicked is grabbed. Yeah, uh, um, um, so uh, it smacked me mare, so smacked hit. Uh, mare is a, a local word for friend. So, you know, you, you'll go, oh, is me mare, or is a mare of mine, you know, so friend. Uh, um, the kepet is the word we use for ear. A kebi is a big stick. So I hit my friend in the ear with a big stick. So I, I clicked, got hold of the, the, the get, the contemptuous person, right? And scoffed is a local word for throw, which I was in my 30s before I realised no one else in England used that. You know, I'd use it all the time. I'd use it when teaching and got confused looks and then realised it was a local word. And, and uh, uh, so scoffed them hour uh, would be uh, throw them over. Yeah, but there's loads. I'll tell you what I did as well. I was in, because um, um, we've got... Uh, um, the history of this place, we've, we've had lots of different people come in. So we've got bits of Norse and Irish and all kinds of stuff. But I, I was in uh, Norway and I saw a sign written in Norwegian. So I'm teaching in Norway and I said, oh, is that children playing? He said, well, I didn't know you could speak Norwegian. I went, no, that's really close to the local slang. <laughs> 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 so it was, uh, it's some, the, the English, well, the Cumbrian would be uh, Bairns Laken. So Bairns is children and laking is playing and it was very similar in Norwegian so there we go a thousand years when since the Vikings left but they've left those words obviously <laughs> yeah so this is my posh voice believe it or not <laughs> very cool we feel about the same way when we talk to people um from up north in America <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, see, I, I have the same so I, I would recognize like um like a New York accent has been distinct, you know, and, and, and I can recognize Southern accents, you know, has, has been distinct. But then after that, it's just, it's American. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, so I, I can't I quite work out the, the difference. We feel the same way. <laughs> but I think the, the one I remember was, what did they call him, the actor? Uh, Russell Crowe in Robin Hood. Mm. You know, so I don't know if you've seen that film. It's an old film. And he was an yeah. English accent in that film. Um, now I'm sure it is fine if you're not from here, but for someone who lives here, you can hear the accent drifting slightly. <laughs> so it sounds always oh, a bit like Liverpool. That sounds a little bit like Northern Ireland now. Oh, it's got those like Manchester tint, you know. <laughs> so I'm always really impressed when people can get accents down that well, you know. When I hear people not from England do English accents, I'm like, man, you've really got that. <laughs> I'd be interested to know if it works either way around. <laughs> I won't even try. <laughs> but we get a lot of American movies and music, right? Loads. Right. You know what I mean? So, so we're exposed to it an awful lot, yeah. 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 All right. Well, I thank you very, very much. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. This is fun. This is fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah, happy to do one ever again at any point again in the future. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. So if anyone has any uh, listens to this or watches it, if they have any supplementary questions, we can chat again sometime. It'd be fun. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you for listening to the Impact Defense Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to keep yourself safe, check out the articles, videos, courses, and seminars at www.impactdefensenc.com. We also do training for security teams, churches, businesses, groups, and more. Stay sharp. Stay focused. 
and train hard.